primary mode, the number would be something like 200,000 a month. So, you know, that's, that's an awful lot of job growth in one month. But then if you look at the number of people who are still unemployed, it's in the millions. It's uh, something like six, between six and seven million people. An increasing share of those unemployed have been unemployed for more than six months. So that means they begin to lose skills and they become more difficult to re-employ. So there's a little bit of scarring to be aware of in the labor market. Um, the unemployment rate doesn't tell you everything. You have to look at how many people are actually working and how many people are not working and how many people are moving in and out of the labor market. So there's a couple of other variables to, to consider. James, always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming in this morning. That's James McCormack, who is Global Head of Sovereign Ratings at Fitch Ratings. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. In Australia, the SX200 is up about 0.9%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is down about three quarters of a percent. Stocks also low in South Korea, off about a quarter of a percent. And it looks like another sorry tale for the Hang Seng this morning. Futures markets pointing to losses in the Hang Seng index of about 270 points at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is trading at $62.90. Cents a barrel and gold is around $1,737 an ounce. That's it for me. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for back chat with Hugh Chiverton and Jim Gould in just a few moments. The weather forecast for today mainly cloudy, sunny intervals in the morning. The maximum temperature is going to be about 26 degrees, and then the outlook is for it to be windy in the next couple of days. Still a few showers on Friday and mainly cloudy over the weekend. It's 23 degrees right now. 76% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Todd Harding with the half-hour news. The chairman of the Democratic Party, Lokin Hay, says it's unreasonable for the government to consider outlawing calls for blank ballots because invalid votes don't affect the result in local elections. The government has said it won't stop people casting blank votes but may consider outlawing organised calls to do so. Mr Lowe told RTHK that government discussion of the issue will just encourage more people to cast blank votes. I believe that Hong Kong people will not back down on what they believe. And if they really truly believe that the election, the, the candidates were all not what they wanted, they would just don't go to vote and they just make pass a blank vote. Uh, what they talk about is not going to help anybody and it's not going to help the situation at all. And I believe that if they talk, keep on talking about that, more people will go and cast a blank vote by themselves. They are advocating it, actually. The group recruiting staff from the hard-hit tourism sector to get temporary jobs at government vaccination centres says the response has been very, so, has been very positive so far. The government-funded $150 million initiative will create up to 2,000 temporary customer service or administrative jobs from May to September. Online applications opened yesterday. Here's Ronald Wu, the Secretary of Tourism Industry, CVC Administrative Services. On the first day alone, I think we, we have already received over 4,000 applications, of which uh, 3,500 of them are um, applying for the position of registration officers. And we have about 200 people applying for the job for a supervisor and 300 applying for the job of assistant supervisor. So, yeah, um, um, the, we, we are receiving a lot of applications. And Taiwan says 15 planes flew into its airspace from the mainland in the latest show of force by Beijing. The Defence Ministry said Taiwanese fighters were scrambled in response. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Jim Gould. Jim, good morning to you. Good morning. Today, blank ballots and cruising to nowhere. The Constitutional Affairs Minister, Eric Jung, said this week that organising, promoting or appealing for voters to cast blank votes could amount to election manipulation and sabotage, even though it's not against the law to cast blank ballots. And the Secretary for Justice said that officials would study whether there's a need for more regulation to prevent such behaviour. But uh, elections expert Mar Knox said if people were to call on voters to cast blank ballots in future polls, this would be a form of electoral campaigning, but not an attempt to manipulate polls, as officials have suggested. He said voters have a right to decide how they cast their ballots, but calling on others to do the same might not be acceptable. Well, what do you think? How should we uphold our civic responsibilities? You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3, or you can email us to join the discussion, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us on 233 That's 233-88266. After 9.15, we'll be discussing a proposed cruise to nowhere. Plans to revive the local cruise industry. Would you get aboard on that? Once again, our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us between now and uh, 9 o'clock, we have now uh, Professor Ho Lok Sang, Senior Research Fellow in the Pan Sutong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University, and Lo Kin Hei, Chairman of the Democratic Party and Chairman of the Southern District Council. Yeah, I think we're going to kick off with a, an email, Hugh, because this one is kind of addressed to Holok Sang. This from Matthew says, uh, can't wait to hear uh, Holok Sang and or Andrew Leung explain to us this morning how casting a blank vote, suggesting others to do so or don't at all, could possibly qualify as election manipulation. No doubt neither will have the courage to speak the truth and acknowledge that in CCP dystopian speak, election manipulation means anything that might successfully lead to a result other than the one the party has preordained. Let's remember that the person floating this idea, Eric Jung, is the same bloke who positioned a Mao-era-style souvenir plate with Chairman Xi's angelic image on it behind him for his publicity photo shoots as Director of Immigration. Anyhow, I don't think Hong Kong people will need to be told not to vote in the next LegCo election. In reality, it's hard to imagine anyone will bother given that there is no genuine representation permitted in the improved electoral system. I guess the voter turnout rate will naturally drop from <clears throat> above 60% to well below 30%. The CCP won't really care about that as long as the result is correct. Uh, well, uh, Dr Ho, uh, good morning to you. Would, would you like to respond to Matthew's email there? Well, actually, uh, he uh, just mistook my position, you know, because uh, I am not against blank votes at all. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think uh, uh, the government should be a, a bit uh, more loose, you know, in, in, in matters that actually will not pose any threat to national security, and and I think that 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 will help um, restore the government's image. So there is really no need to ban this kind of behaviour. I don't think it is. Uh, 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 personally, I don't think it's manipulation. So you, okay. you think, yeah, there's there's no need to ban people from calling for calling on voters to uh, uh, not to vote or to cast blank votes. Uh, I think I don't think it is going to threaten uh, threaten the uh, the uh, national security in any way. So if people make that kind of call, it's their position, and I think uh, that position. 
doesn't threaten national security, and uh, if people respond to that, it's up to them. You know, I, I think uh, uh, the government should be a bit more more um, uh, broad-minded regarding this. If the turnout rate is very low, or if there are if there is a, a high number of spoiled ballot papers, would that not be embarrassing to the authorities? And well, don't you think they might do try and do something about that? My my point is that uh, uh, you have to take it f for what it is. You know, if if the turnout rate is low, the turnout rate is low. You know, last time the turnout rate was very high, but uh, a lot of the people who voted actually, you know, uh, uh, are not. Uh, uh, really thinking about uh, um, um, policies, you know, they, they are thinking about the, uh, 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 collaborating with the with, with Benetai scheme. You know, Benetai was very successful, you know, because at the time, a lot of people had uh, uh, misguided ideas about, uh, about the government and about the, uh, the uh, China. Um, so and and and, and, and about uh, one country two systems. So a lot of people were were misguided, you know. But uh, uh, that's very unfortunate. But uh, I'm saying that um, the the high turnout rate is not really lending cap uh, credibility, you know, to the uh, to the uh, uh, legitimacy of those people who who voted in. Uh, I, I guess the I mean the the case would be that um, the national security law. Uh, you know, makes it illegal to use unlawful means to uh, seriously interfere in, disrupt or undermine the performance of duties and function of the government. Surely calling for, for uh, blank voting, that is interfering, that is undermining the performance, the, the proper actions of the, of the administration. Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's up to people's uh, independent judgment. You know, they, they don't need to respond to, to those calls. You know, and of course, the government can uh, campaign um, uh, um, in in a different way. You know, trying to persuade people to, to the effect that uh, uh, we are seeking people who really want to contribute, you know, to uh, better policy making in Hong Kong. And I think uh, uh, that kind of campaign yeah, is it's up to yeah, it's up to it's up to people if they want to cast a blank vote. You can understand exactly, that. Exactly. But but if you but if you're encouraging people. To, to cast a blank vote. That's different. That is undermining the... That is deliberately undermining the administration in, in really pretty much the same way as you said that uh, Benny Tai was uh, uh, seeking to undermine the, well, the proper administration. I think that's quite different, you know, because Benny Tai was suggesting that uh, the, the people who, vote, who, who are voted in is going to uh, reject uh, any uh, 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 policy, paper or whatever position whatever uh, 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 um, agenda, everything is going to be rejected, you know. So the, the, the ultimate goal, according to Benetai, is, you know, to, uh, to force, uh, a, a, you know, the, uh, uh, ju just uh, um, uh, calling another election, and then e eventually the government cannot function. You know, that, that was the end game, you know, according to Benetai's uh, ideas. But in this particular case, if people don't go, don't, don't cast a vote, okay, uh, no one is forcing them not to cast a vote, you know. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, I think uh, um, uh, putting up a, an image of uh, 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 tolerance, you know, for, for behavior that 
really doesn't jeopardize you know, the, uh, the national security, I think is wise. Okay, uh, there's an email from Bowen who says, Dear Bankchat, the first thing to note about today's main topic is that its significance is limited because only 29 out of 90 LegCo seats are likely to be capable of having blank votes, i.e. 20 geographical constituencies plus nine functional constituencies where individual voting is allowed. The second point is that the question will only arise if all genuine pro-democracy candidates for a constituency become ineligible to stand, thereby prompting the pro-democracy camp to call for a boycott or blank vote being cast. Whether such calls could, according to Paul Chair, amount to inciting subversion is a highly interesting third legal point, as I've never in my life heard of a criminal inchoate offence of inciting a group of people to commit an act which is not only legal, but also inconsequential, even when committed by a large number of people. Hong Kong's electoral laws apparently do not require a minimum voting threshold for an election to be valid, and so huge numbers of blank votes or vote abstentions will not make the election void. But perhaps the most fundamental point is about what we should call a procedure in which the population can only choose 22% of a legislature. All candidates will be subject to potential political screening, the decision not judicially reviewable and with no reasons for rejection disclosed, and the act of uh, of or acts associated with the act of vote abstention or casting a blank vote could amount to a serious crime. Quote, mandatory endorsement of officially anointed candidates, unquote, seems to be nearly 100% accurate. Anything suggesting an election, democracy or universal suffrage is likely to be out of sync with reality. That comes uh, from Bowen. Uh, also with us is uh, Lokin Hay, chairman of the Democratic Party. Uh, Mr Lowe, good morning to you. Uh, do you understand there's a difference between uh, a person casting a blank vote and somebody calling for someone to have a campaign of spoilt ballots or, or, uh, or blank voting or, or not voting? Uh, one is actually undermining, is calling for the undermining of the electoral process, isn't it? It's to set aside the electoral process, which is to choose a candidate. Well, I think the fact that we have to discuss about whether or not both casting a blank vote is, uh, is possibly uh, violating a law is already very sad. It is, it is unacceptable, I think. Um, for, for all the people in Hong Kong, I think they have in their own experience for the past so many years that we have been casting our votes uh, on our views and we, we may be persuaded by other people. And people are free to persuade people how to vote. It is not a crime. I mean, you can, you can, you can ask the people to support anybody and why not you can ask the people not to support anybody i think the government is just nonsensical in this way and and i and i truly believe that the fact that we're, we're discussing this topic this morning or for the past few days it it, it tells how how desperate this hong kong government is uh you know they know that the the, the proposal uh which is uh, amended by the NPCSE is not welcoming for most of the hong kong people and they try to uh, I mean, they, they try to threaten the people uh, not to uh, advocate for blank vote or, or even not to vote blank. I think this is really desperate act for the government to try to stop themselves from being embarrassed by the by the by the, by the ballots. Uh, the, the Justice Secretary uh, Theresa Cheng uh, said the other day that uh, it was uh, everybody's uh, civic responsibility to vote, um, and and you, um, Lo Kinhe, um, raised the possibility that uh, Hong Kong might introduce compulsory voting, like they have in Australia and other places in the world. Um, um, do you think that's a realistic prospect? Well, I think I 
Well, true. Uh, voting is a civic responsibility, as if uh, there, there are a lot of other things that are uh, civic responsibility as well. For example, being, being a civilized citizen uh, is, is something which we treasure. But we, we, can't, we can't just legislate on everything. And the, the government just can't tell the people what you can do and what you can't do uh, on, on, the, on those things. So um, I think that is, um, uh, for, for me, I don't know how much chance that the Hong Kong people will uh, cast a blank vote or cast a protest vote. What I can tell is that if the government keeps talking about that, if the government keeps uh, trying to uh, stop people from doing that, the people will just do it more. Uh, I think they are counter- counterproductive to what they are talking about. And, and, and I truly hope that uh, the government can save some of their time to focus on things that matters. This is something that Hong Kong people try to make their voice heard. Rather, uh, no, no matter this by, by voting somebody or by voting a blank vote or not to vote, this is their, their decision. And, and, and I truly believe that the government will not uh, legislate on compulsory voting because if there's a compulsory voting, um, you, you, this is, this is, this is uh, uh, impossible uh, for the government to hide from the fact that uh, the democracy camp is actually more popular than the pro-establishment camp. This is, this is a hard fact, I believe. Can I respond yeah, to Owen's point? Yeah, uh, uh, because I, I have to go uh, shortly. Um, the, the point that uh, the, uh, the new system uh, in, uh, involves screening uh, by the authorities as to who is patriotic and who is not patriotic. Uh, Bowen was saying that this amounts, that, amounts to there not being a genuine uh, election. I wouldn't say that, you know, uh, because uh, the, the bottom line from Beijing's point of view and also from SAR point of view is that people who voted in uh, and serving uh, Hong, Hong Kong SAR uh, in the capacity of legislator, you know, they, they should have the interest of Hong Kong and, uh, uh, at heart. And which means that... It's defined uh, by the government only. Not, um, not defined no, by Hong no, Kong no, people. No, 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 the bottom line. Okay, the bottom line no, is that it must no, not... No, the bottom line is that the Hong Kong people should have their voice. People, of course, people should have the voice, but not the voice... Not the voice to uh, to. So you're um, controlling the voice of the Hong Kong people, whether or not no, they can vote yeah, in somebody. We are actually uh, undermining Hong Kong's interests. You know, we all know that Hong Kong's Hong Kong's future lies in peace and order. Okay. No, and if you don't have peace and order, you see, it's not going to to contribute to Hong Kong's best interest at all. You know, think about think about what happened in in 2019. A you government know, is the most important question, most important problem for Hong Kong for so many years, and you didn't, you didn't really actually address the legitimacy of the government. You just and the, addressed and the, and all the of the of issues the that affect people's livelihood. Okay, how no. people, where the people can no, you, you really, you really forgot, you really forgot, you really forgot, and where the people have the freedom to do what they want in terms of the livelihood. Okay, going about making friends, whatever, you know, visiting, going out and 
you know, all those things, whether Hong Kong does or doesn't have a, a, a clean environment and that is conducive to healthy living and a happy living. You know, if you keep thinking about subverting the government in order to replace it with a different government, it's not going to work, not going to benefit Hong Kong at all. You see, the government is going to change every five years anyway. Yeah, first of all. Secondly, secondly, you really forgot why the protest broke out. You really forgot that. The real reason behind all the protests. The real reason is that people are misguided. Okay. No, and the propaganda you, you have to listen. I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak. I'll let you speak. Professor Hulnett, could you let Lokin Hay respond? 10 minutes to 9. I, I, I had to go. So, so, so I leave the uh, discussion to, to uh, Okay, yeah, but Professor okay, did, did say earlier that. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Hulnett. Yeah, Lokin Hay, go on. Well, I think what is most important that we saw in the protest or before the protest is that the government is not responding to the people. And the Legislative Council, they are not responsive, they are not reflective of the people's views. So the most important thing that the Legislative Council or the election system, how, how they should be changed is that they have to listen to the people's views and reflect the people's views. If the people's views are reflected in the Legislative Council, uh, the protest that the pro establishment camp or the Beijing government or the Hong Kong government hated so much would never ever happen. This is just, I think they're just undermining the, they're just undermining the people's voice and, and I, I, I truly believe that in the future, um, if the people's voice cannot be heard, cannot be reflected effectively in the legislative council or in the government, uh, the, the, the grievances from the people will just aggregate and aggregate and aggregate and wait to a point that to explode again. I don't want to see that, but that is the warning I have for the government. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I mean, you were kind of arguing with, with Holok Sang there about you could broadly categorise it as kind of legitimacy versus livelihood here. He was saying that the fundamental, the bottom line, is, is establishing an administration uh, which benefits Hong Kong, which improves people's livelihood and their, and their life, uh, in essence, whereas you're more concerned about the legitimacy. But we want both, don't we? And I guess the the the, the point would be that the that, that your camp uh, has been focusing solely on the issue of legitimacy. It's given everything to fight for democracy without any really giving a reason of what you would do with that and how you would lead Hong Kong and and how you would actually improve people's lives. Um, people of Hong Kong want both, and you're only offering one side. Well, I think we are not given a chance to to actually show this. The, the other side, because, you know, we're not the ruling party. We have never been the ruling party. And I believe that if we are able to uh, get the majority uh, from a genuine election, uh, which I believe that we can, but, but certainly uh, there is there will be no genuine election or there will be no uh, free uh, election that, that the pro-democracy can, can get the majority uh, in the near future. But, but I truly believe that uh, we can perform if we are given the chances. You, I mean, you look at the district council, I'm a chairman of the district council. Uh, I, I, I believe that what we are doing is very beneficial to the citizen, to the community. And I, I, I hope that they can look into what the district councils are doing. Don't, don't just don't just watch the news. Don't just read the news on uh, what we're talking about policy. Yes, we talk about politics, but most of our time we, we do community things and you, you look at how different we work uh, 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 as a district council, uh, 
think Hong Kong people have a clear views on how uh, the two differs from each other. Do, do you expect you to get candidates uh, through in the next election? Do you expect that there will be Democratic camp candidates? Because, you know, the, the, the pro-establishment people have said, well, there can be. Um, there's no if they uh, if they agree to take the oaths and they meet the requirements, uh, then they then they then they can stand. And of course, you know, in, in some ways, you know, it would add to the legitimacy of the administration if there are opponents or if there are people with different, not exactly opponents, but people with with different ideas, a variety of ideas. So they might have an interest in doing it. So do you do you expect that there will be Democrats in the next taking part in the next election and getting voted on? I'm not sure because uh, I think most of the Democrats they are they're still considering uh, their options whether to join the uh, election or not. Uh, including my party, we have been discussing uh, whether or not we join the uh, join the election in the in the in the in December this year. Um, this is the first thing that, that we have to figure out. Uh, secondly, uh, we're not sure in a way that although we believe that we. Uh, we can we can call ourselves patriot and we, we love Hong Kong and we pay allegiance to Hong Kong and Hong Kong people and uh, basically uh, we don't know how to draw the lines. This is the most important problem. Uh, uh, and and I believe also that how they draw the line and how uh, the, the the legislative councillors can be nominated uh, will be something that is similar. Uh, we don't know who can be nominated, especially we need the. Uh, nomination from the fifth sector, uh, the, the CP, uh, the, the NPC members or the uh, CPPCC members. Uh, we don't know how they are going to, uh, nominate people. And I believe that, uh, their final uh, decision who to nominate rests on Beijing, not on themselves. So, um, it is, it is hard for me to estimate or to predict uh, whether or not there will be Democrats running in the Legislative Council election in December. So w when do you think you'd be able to make a decision as to whether or not the Democratic Party takes part in the election? Uh, we will take our time, mm. seriously. Mm. Um, uh, uh, what I have been talking about is that uh, the latest moment that I have to make my decision or for my party to make a decision is in uh, September uh, before the Legislative Council uh, election nominations mm. open. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the, that, that is the final moment that we have to decide. But between uh, now and September, there are a lot of things that we have to discuss, uh, including whether or not we think uh, participating in this kind of election, uh, we, we can still be dignified in, in participating in it. Uh, we can. We will we'll also need to discuss how effective uh, we are if we went into the council and how the people react to us, uh, especially our supporters, uh, of course. Uh, and, and, and we also need to talk about, we need to think about if we don't go for election, what other things that we can do to help the, uh, the Hong Kong people to, to, to protect their freedom, to protect their human rights and, and, and keep on fighting for democracy. So there are a lot of things that we have to discuss very seriously. So I will take my time and, and I, I don't rush and I don't, I, I won't ask my party members to rush a decision. 
Right, an email, this is from uh, Andy, who says, there is good reason for Democrats to stand in geographical elections and for people to vote in them to defeat the unpleasant, nasty, loyal, rubbish candidates like Regina Ip and Starry Lee. That is uh, from Andy. Uh, isn't there also the, uh, a danger, arguably, uh, Mr Lowe, that if you get a candidate in, they'll just be uh, uh, window dressing, that they will just be there so that the uh, so that uh, one side can say, oh, look, we have got people from the other side, we're, we're a legitimate body. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is something that we consider as well. Uh, uh, a lot of people have lost hope on the system, actually. A lot of people in Hong Kong, when they saw uh, what the NPCSC made, the, the decision that they made, uh, they're talking about, like, oh, I don't... I don't really care anymore because you can do whatever you want. And, and that is not something that I care. And, and the, the, the election itself would be the least legitimate election, I believe, in Hong Kong's history. So, um, participating in it and, 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 and trying to get into the council, uh, that would be, uh, against some people's views. And, yeah, yeah, but if you don't, I, but if you don't, then the, then also those same people will say, look, the, the pro-establishment got, got 80% of the vote. Well, I think this, I think if the turnout rate and the so-called blank votes rate, uh, I, I believe that it, it would be very telling. It, I, I'm not advocating anything, but uh, even though you don't advocate, I believe a lot of Hong Kong people, they, 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 if the election, they don't think it is uh, related to them, why, why on earth they would go to vote? Okay. Well, uh, veteran uh, Democrat, former Democrat, uh, Fred Lee, will be joining us after the news at nine. For the moment, thank you very much indeed to uh, Lokin Hay there, chairman of the Democratic Party, chairman of the Southern District Council, and also to uh, Ho Lok San. Uh, we'll continue the discussion after the news. Before that, the weather, many cloudy, sunny intervals today uh, in the morning, and temperatures up to about 26 degrees. The outlook windy in the next couple of days, and a few showers on Friday. 23 degrees at the moment, with the relative humidity now 76%. <laughs> Gould and Mihu Chiverton. We're talking later in the programme about the uh, proposal for uh, cruises to nowhere. That's as a kind of a staycation, basically, uh, on board a ship. At least one company, uh, Dream, Dream Cruises, uh, has said that uh, Hong Kong should start allowing uh, such uh, cruises. Um, they have been done, done in uh, other places without uh, COVID cases uh, arising. But you might remember, I mean, there were, there were cases of uh, COVID breakouts in cruises right at the beginning of the uh, of the uh, pandemic. Uh, so we'll be talking about uh, the possibility of that, the rights and wrongs later in the programme. But we're first continuing our discussion from the first part of the programme, talking about the uh, blank ballots. Um, the uh, uh, Constitutional Affairs Minister, Eric Jung, has said that organising, promoting or appealing for voters to cast blank ballots could amount to elip, uh, election manipulation and sabotage. Uh, and the Secretary of Justice said that officials would study whether there should be more regulation to prevent such behaviour with thrashing out the rights and wrongs of that. We were talking to Lokin Hay and uh, Holok Sang in the first part of the programme. Joining us now is Fred Lee, former Democratic Party lawmaker and, uh, and now a political consultant and uh, commentator. Uh, we'll be talking to Mr Lee in a moment. Just first of all, some uh, comment from uh, Facebook. Uh, TC uh, says, if the government is concerned about the amount of blank votes, the best thing to do is not to hold any elections. There is nothing illegal about telling others to spoil their ballots. If memory serves me right, during the 2010 five area referendums, pro-establishment parties were discouraging people from voting in an effort 
uh, to not lessen the effects of the de facto referendum. Uh, and uh, T and he also says, Rehue's question, in what way does spoiling one's ballot affect the performance of the government? They have no material effect on the results of the election. Marcus says, it's a secret ballot, right? How can anyone know if it's a spoilt ballot until it's counted as a spoilt ballot? And TC says, uh, it's convoluted, but the government doesn't have an issue with the behaviour itself, that's spoiling ballots, but rather telling others to do that. That's uh, from TC. Our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, so, Fred Lee, good morning to you. Good morning. So, w what do you make of these suggestions that, um, that maybe uh, legislation may be introduced to stop people calling on voters to uh, not to vote or to spoil their ballots? The one who proposed this, that really indicate he doesn't really know what is the election. I myself, you know, uh, running running election for more than 10 times in the past. Every time after the voting over, I will stay in the counting, you know, counting station inside the polling station. I watched every vote count, you know, and um, every time, every time you will find blank vote or somebody writes some nasty thing on a vote paper, on a ballot paper, you can't really avoid it. You just you know, say that it is spoil or avoid, you don't count this vote. So it's natural for every election. It's a choice of the people to uh, blank, or they, sometimes they will, uh, they will take all the candidates, and that is also why, right? And, uh, and you, if you don't see the tick clearly, which uh, candidate is also a white vote. So um, legally, I don't think you can really passing any legislation, you know, uh, avoiding people writing something on the ballot or a blank vote they will vote for. What about the suggestion from uh, Paul Chair that uh, such uh, behaviour may in fact uh, be, uh, run contrary to the national security law? You mean the secretary, right? Say uh, if well, someone appealing in the public for the voters to vote blank. This, this was the this was the legislator uh, Paul Jair said, uh, um, you know, um, any, anybody. Well, uh, I think he was thinking about the national security law that says that anyone who uses unlawful means for seriously interfering and disrupting or undermining the performance and duties and function of the government uh, could be guilty of subversion. Then I think Paul should ask a question himself. If that's the case, let's say the coming electrical election, a lot of, a high percentage of the vote are blank or void because somebody's saying protest, you know, uh, word, word on, uh, writing protest word on, in, in the, on the ballot paper. And then he should answer the questions. Why so many voters, you know, take that, make an effort Okay, make an effort coming to the polling station and make this action, make this, uh, you know, why, why they do that. Uh, I think that's the, really the questions all the pro-establishment people should ask themselves. The government, the central government, if they are afraid people voting the protest vote, this is the protest vote for sure. But in the last, you know, district council election, the protest vote put in the reality we know uh, defeat all the pro most, mostly all the pro-establishment candidates. That's protest vote. Same and blank 
is the same, you know. And you can't really, you know, uh, stop people thinking, you know, anything. You know, you can control the 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 the, the, the brain, the, the brain, you know, the mind. So it's just crazy now. Is is I don't think they have nothing to do. Just coming with blank world. But asking people to do that isn't that. Um it's I don't know, it's like doing graffiti or something. It's asking people to subvert the, the, the proper function of a, a of an item or of a of, of an institution or of the elections. It's asking people to 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 mess it up basically. If I find okay, my constituency, the candidates are all not qualified or not really my type, or I don't really like all those candidates. I'm, I have. I think I have perfectly right. It's my right to go to the polling station to put a blank vote. That means I don't choose anyone. It's, it's my choice. Okay. I think people or other governments should respect the choice of the people. If someone appeal in the public, you know, deliberately, you know. I mean, they'd be doing it to embarrass the government. You know, they'd be doing it to say get lost. To, to to the uh, to the government. Why should the government put up with that? We know what happens if you keep if you allow that. If I say the appeal, okay, if, if I'm friendly making appeal before the voting day, a lot of people listen to me to put put the blank in a, in a ballot paper. Then why why are people really committing such a behaviour? I think that's the cross of the issues. You understand my what I'm, what I'm saying. You know, why do the people follow? Follow my appeal. You know, I don't give them money as a reward. Okay, so the government should come back and think about themselves. Why the people coming to, so many people coming to work black in the ballot paper. It's not the matter you regulate, you try to avoid, you know, to put your head under the sand then. So, so that's meaningless. Of course, you can. I think, in in legally speaking, I think the national security security law enable the government to charge to prosecute anyone, make a public appeal to people, say, vote blank on saying something, protest, writing something on the ballot paper, to show that we are all, you know, not happy with this new election system. I think if you make a public appeal. I'm sure the government will have something to do about it. But the question is the same, remains the same. If I make this appeal and a lot of people follow, that's the problem, right? Okay, some uh, comment. Uh, Alan of Lama says, uh, back chat, as your pro-government guest says that replacing or opposing government is subverting it. Uh, as this is clearly what our masters in Beijing think, and they will not allow us to vote for who we actually want, never have and never will, voting is a charade and casting a blank ballot is the only option to show that we do not endorse the government imposed on us. As for livelihood issues, the re reason that the government is so unpopular is because it is clearly uninterested and incompetent in handling housing, environment, education, healthcare. All are distorted to primarily serve the interests of well-connected tycoons and mainland interests. A government that does not need to answer to the people will inevitably act like this. That is uh, from Alan. Um, Andy says, uh, under Article 22 of the National Security Legislation, seriously interfering in, disrupting or undermining the body of power on F of the SAR, 
HKSAR is an offence. The elections law passed by NPC and the consequential laws to be passed in Hong Kong themselves undermine the body of power in the SAR by destroying the credibility of LegCo and its effectiveness as a body to which the government is accountable. And Bowen says, uh, on Mr Ho's point, I did not say political screening should not be allowed. What I say is that we should look at the entire package, i.e. only two out of uh, nine are directly elected geographical constituencies. There's potential screening for purely political as opposed to security reasons, as we are not given the real reasons for rejecting a candidate and possibly making mo voting mandatory and also making uh, suggesting blank votes or vote abstention, which are valid ways for a voter to express his or her real wishes, a serious crime. What Mr Ho should remember is that if you put all of these things together, the exercise becomes such a manipulated procedure that few people will recognise it as what people call an election in a normal society. That comes from Bowen. Fred Lee, can I, can I pin you down? What do you think the Democrat... If you were advising the Democratic Party... Should they put up candidates? Should they try and put up moderate candidates to squeeze through the screening and the vetting and what have you? Should they go through all that and try and join the election or should they, they write it off? Or, uh, because, you know, there are pros and cons, even from their point of view, to all of those actions. What would you advise them to do? Because they, they don't know at the moment. They can't decide we were hearing. What do you think? Uh, I, I don't want them to make decisions either because this moment... This election system is really a bad word, you know. It's, it's not really going to more democracy. It's going backward. And um, the nomination process is really controlled tightly, 100% controlled by the central government, particularly by this uh, election committee. And, um, you know, uh, you need a nomination across, across the five you know, uh, call for five groups, and um, it's not easy. And and the Democrats, if they really want to run, I think they have to bargain with the communist, communist China. They have to make a lot of uh, uh, negotiation rather than just going to run the election. Such as what what I'm trying to say is, let all the, the you know within the spectrum of the pan Democrats political groups or party. They should all entitled to run unless the candidate himself or herself are really pro independence of Hong Kong or have a track record or asking the foreign power to boycott Hong Kong. That too, the, 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 the two conditions, you know, if any con candidates touch those conditions, for sure they were not allowed to be to run the election. I think that's the only in a condition, and let all the Democrats from within all spectrums, the different groupings, I think they, they should be freely to ask the people to nominate and join the election. If without that condition, without that condition, that will really put the Democrats into a very difficult position to send any candidate to run. It, will it lend legitimacy to the to the election? Is there that danger? Every election, let's say, okay, the Democrats, the Pan-Democrats always try to fight for full democracy, well, 100%, you know, uh, direct election. It's always the case for the last 20 years. But still, we joined the functional constituency election, right? Functional constituency, the Pan-Democrats, we always say it's not a really democratic election. It's only a small circle, uh, less 
much less number of uh, voters. So we have to uh, replace by 100% direct election. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm agree with that. But, but still, we have to participate in this election. It's not to legitimize this election. We have to, you know, uh, put our voice in this uh, uh, political machinery, the LegCo. We need to have a voice there. We need somebody to represent the, the other side, not the pro-establishment candidate. They, what the China say, what the Hong Kong government say, they dare not to really oppose, especially those political reform or really you know, uh, sensitive issues. But the Democrat candidates can really, you know, they have their guts and have their mind and to represent the people. I think that we need that representative in, the, in this new LegCo. But the condition is we are ready to join, okay? And not, not to legitimize. I think we have to represent still, I'm sure up to today, we still have at least 55 percent of Hong Kong voters will vote for the Democratic Democrat uh, candidate. I think that split, you know, that golden split still remains the same. So, so you, you, you would be hoping to see <clears throat> at least some Democrats in the new LegCo uh, after the December elections? I think we need opposition. Mm -hmm. like, like LegCo today, no opposition. You know, very efficient very fast, passing all everything. Uh, we need opposition. But as I said, at this moment, I won't, no, I won't say they should send candidates. I would say they should have, uh, the, the, at least the, the Chinese government should, you know, uh, uh, tell everybody or at least uh, tell, uh, negotiate or bargain or tell, communicate with the Democrats, you know, if they, if all participate, you know, you, you can't really, you know, without touching the two borderlines, you can't really, you know, kick out of our candidates. It's our, it's our right to join the election. All right, Tom, Tom V says, after every election, the percentages of uh, turnout and winners and losers is announced. Blank ballots, if allowed and not deemed as spoilt papers, would give the public a vehicle to express their feelings. But would the government take heed if there were more blank votes than the total votes for candidates? That's from uh, Tom V. And uh, Andrew Kay says, uh, it always amazes me how many of your audience don't understand that Hong Kong is part of China? Uh, where do they think they live? That comes from uh, Andrew Kay. Let's just put that briefly to Fred Lee. Do you understand that Hong Kong is part of China? Of course, Hong Kong, definitely. I vote for a return back to uh, China at, before 1997. For sure. My track record is quite clear. You know, I'm totally opposed to the independence of Hong Kong. I criticize them. Okay. All right. Uh, Fred Lee, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning, a uh, former Democratic Party lawmaker and political consultant. And before we uh, move on to our second uh, topic, uh, um, we have uh, an email here from Mary, uh, which uh, in fact relates to last 
last uh, Thursday's uh, back chat when uh, Nixie Lamb was the co-host. Um, Mary writes, um, on Thursday's back chat on the topic of uh, 117 district councillors being replaced on the election committee by 156 members of the District Fight Crime, Fire Safety and other appointed committees, Nixie Lamb stated that these groups have been working hard in the local community. Seriously? Now, I cannot comment on Toon Mun, but, uh, which is where uh, Nixie was a district councillor, but ha having lived for decades in the Yao Chim Mong and taken a very active interest in district affairs, I have never heard of these committees and certainly have never read reports of any good work done by them for the benefit of the community. Asked around and got blank stares. The parking scam guys on temporary vacation after an unusual crackdown by the police smirked when asked about the fight crime group. That the fire safety has achieved little is demonstrated in the number of recent fatal fires at tenement buildings around Jordan. As for the comment that they represent the locals, a quick check of the members' lists shows that of 33 members of the fire and 32 on crime, there is not a single non-Chinese representative. This in a district with a substantial minority presence. What is striking is how many members there are when we have a mere 20 district councillors and the inclusion of numerous ousted district councillors who lost their seats in the last election. Quantity, not quality. Conclusion is that the majority majority of the 156 will be these ex-DCs. Uh, CE stated that the uh, DCs are mere advisers, not organs of political power. Surely these advisers are even lower down the pecking order. As Professor Burns pointed out, uh, that's Professor John Burns, who was a, a guest on last Thursday's programme, um, these part-timers are being given powers denied to our elected representatives. But there is a positive side. The catering trade and purveyors of expensive gifts will rake it in once the election committee roadshow hits the road and the loyal trash vie for a seat at the table. Let the games begin. That's from Mary. Thank you very much indeed, Mary. Uh, sorry we missed that uh, earlier. Well, finally today, as management, we want to talk about uh, uh, the cruise uh, uh, industry uh, in, in Hong Kong. At least one company, Dream Cruises, is calling for uh, allowing uh, cruises to nowhere. Um, that's uh, where they um, don't leave Hong Kong, basically, but uh, people get what amounts to a staycation. They say similar cruises have happened in Singapore and Taiwan and uh, proven uh, to be uh, safe. For comment now, we're joined by uh, Ronald Wu, Chairman of the Hong Kong Association of uh, Travel Agents. Mr Wu, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us. Um, wh what do you think? Would you support the, uh, the, these, uh, these cruises to nowhere? That would, so that would mean kind of basically staying in Hong Kong, would it? Staying in Hong Kong waters? Uh, absolutely. I think, I think it's, a, it's a start that we, we can do um, the, the state go to nowhere cruises, the trial run. Um, the, the travel trade is, is actually quite quite disappointed in the fact that um, even up to this point, our um, local tours or any tour activities have not received exemption. Even though uh, theme parks, attractions, cinemas have now have, have gotten further exemption to to to, to allow more people um, to to use the venue. So I think you know um, having the cruise to nowhere um, started will, will definitely serve as a, as a good trial run for us to. To prepare once once the um, the pandemic is under control, we can we can uh, kickstart our activities again. Okay, uh, at the start of the pandemic, uh, um, we will remember that. Um, there were outbreaks of uh, coronavirus on board the uh, cruise ships. Um, what steps have been taken since then to try to make sure that um, 
such an outbreak wouldn't happen again. I, I think, I think um, you know, uh, uh, people, including both the passengers and the company, are now much more prepared or, or say they're aware of what needs to be done to, to avoid the spread again. Social distancing, mask on everywhere, sanitizer, compared to, to a year ago where, you know, um, people were just still learning how to, how to deal with your normal. So I think um, we, we do have the ability, not, not, only from, not only from the crews, but also from the passengers' education. So that you know they they're aware of what to do and what not to do at this point, to, in order to to be able to travel. So, what what would be the appeal? Do you think uh, um, if the cruise ship just goes out to sea, out to international waters or whatever, uh, and comes back again? Uh, see, I see they've been called it termed seacations, <laughs> without actually <laughs> stopping at another uh, venue. Um, um, what's in it for the passengers? I, I think at this stage, if, if you look at um, Hong Kong on the weekends, you know, um, a lot of hotels fully booked for, for vacation. Um, people are going hiking or going to theme park. Um, it, it, it's more because, you know, we, we do not have a choice to go anywhere now. And Hong Kong, Hong Kong people love to travel so much that even a two-day, one-night at the sea, you know, I'm sure they will, they will enjoy the facilities on board. And uh, just, just to get a bit of fresh air and also, you know, just, just to get that vacation feeling going again. And what would they offer in terms of uh, dining, entertainment, that sort of thing? Would they have buffets, for yeah. example? <laughs> um, I'm sure they will. They will have a strict social distancing policy. I'm not sure about buffet. Maybe it'll be all be um, all be a la carte or all be fixed menu. Um, again, I, I I don't have details on that, mm. but I think you know swimming pools, um, outdoor sports court. Uh, not sure about show, but but at least you know you get to go out and see, even just just sing in the back along, just to enjoy the sun. It'd be a, be a great experience, especially after one year of traveling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about, um, you know, restrictions? Do you think that people should be tested before they go aboard? Do you think that uh, it should be restricted to people who have had the vaccine or things like that? Um, I, I think the line needs to be set so that everybody is safe on board. So I think testing is, is most likely a plus before going on board and after. Um, in order to, to protect, because you're talking about a few hundred people staying in the same sort of the same cruise for, for at least two days, right? And mm. and I'm sure they will not run in full capacity. Maybe 50, 70 percent of, of the rooms available will be will be will be available. But um, I think I think a testing before after is, is probably a must in order to get on on board. Do you think they'd be popular? Do you think people would go? I I think so. I mean, um, it's, again, it's, it's not something that we can. It's not something that's long-lasting, so to speak, but but it's, it's a kickstart so that um, people will will get to experience vacation again. So I think if if, if cruise company decide to do these vacations uh, uh, to nowhere, um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it gets filled up uh, quickly, at least for the first few sailings. Okay. Okay. We, we've also got on the. Okay. Also, uh, just uh, called us is uh, is Jeff Bent, who's uh, who runs the uh, the uh, cruise terminal uh, in, in Calais. Mr. Bent, good morning to you. Morning. morning. Hi, 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 hi. What's your take on this? Well, I just wanted to share that since last summer when um, cruise restarted in a number of jurisdictions, um, including in um, Europe, in the, in the EU, that cruise lines have carried over 400,000 passengers and there have been fewer than 50 cases of COVID and they were all contained and, and, not, and not spread. So it's actually... Um, including the universal testing 
um, that, that your guest was just talking about is, is maybe the safest form of vacation around. So everyone has to have a test before they can get on board? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, the, 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 the trouble is, you know, as the word, there was an outbreak, as we were saying, you know, right at the beginning, and there's, there's a lot of people living in, in close proximity, and you can't get away, can you? And that was the sort of, that was the, the, the terrible thing, wasn't it? That there was an outbreak on board a ship, but you just can't escape. Uh, that, that's still going to be a problem, isn't it? The plan for resumption in most places is to start with 50% capacity on board the ships. So that um, guarantees a, a certain amount of um, um, social distancing. But then on top of that, you know, for example, you asked about buffets. My understanding is that um, you, you point and a server serves you what you, what you want. There's no common handling of utensils. But, the, I mean, I think the statistics... Um, show that, um, in fact, it can be very well handled on board a on board a cruise ship, given the testing and you know much more advanced social distancing. All the cruise lines have increased the medical facilities on board. Um, so, so in addition to ensuring 100% um, fresh air and guest areas, a high number of air turns, you know, there's also. Um, more doctors, negative pressure rooms, all of these all of these things are there just in case, but really the um, the universal testing and and uh, social distancing should put people 's minds at ease i mean it's, it's yeah proven to be much safer than staying on land i would say and and it 's restarted in europe it 's restarting in the u k next month it restarted in Japan last year all of the all of the Caribbean islands are restarting over the summer so it's it's actually going on everywhere now. Okay I mean the cruise industry has obviously been uh, one of those um, heavily affected uh, by the pandemic uh, how confident are you that it'll make a, a full recovery? I think it's a it's a matter of time um, you know it'll it, this year I think is is a a year for for sort of slowly relaunching and restarting and that um, the cruise recovery will, will take place probably in another two years out from now. Well, that's a long time. All right, uh, Jay is not a fan uh, in an email, says, uh, will these ships have beds for children or will they be back down to one and a half beds like the hotels? Will they be increasing the buffet meals to five times the price of a regular meal? And will a staycation cost you over $1,000 a night? This will be limited to the wealthy only. That's uh, from uh, Jay. Well, uh, Jeff Ben, thanks for, for uh, joining in uh, on the line there from the uh, Kowloon uh, Cruise uh, Terminal. And Ronald Wu, thank you very much indeed, Mr Wu, Chairman of the Hong Kong Association of uh, Travel Agents. Last word going to Emrys in an email who says the Democrats' sole focus was anti-China, its politics and on mainlanders entering the territory. Their failure to evolve a strategy that even recognised China in its vision for the future has resulted in the situation we have today. If you don't support the system, just don't vote. That's uh, from uh, Emrys. Thank you very much indeed for all the uh, emails uh, and comments and calls um, this morning. That's it from us, leaving you now with the latest weather information before the news. It's going to be mainly cloudy, so sunny intervals forecast for this morning and temperatures up to about 26 degrees. The outlook windy in the next couple of days and still a few showers on Friday and then mainly cloudy at the weekend. 23 degrees now, relative humidity is at 74%. The Smart ID Card Replacement Exercise is for me and for you. If you hold the old form of Smart ID Card and were born in 1970 to 1972, you must replace your ID card on or before April 30th, 2021. 
If you were born in 1973 to 1976, you must replace your ID card from February 22nd to July 9th, 2021. You may bring two family members or friends aged 65 or above and two persons with disabilities to replace ID cards together. Remember to book ahead. 9.32, the news now with Todd Harding. The chairman of the Democratic Party, Lokin Hay, says it's unreasonable for the government to consider outlawing calls for blank ballots because invalid votes don't affect the result in local elections. The government has said it won't stop people casting blank votes but may consider outlawing organised calls to do so. The group recruiting staff from the hard-hit tourism sector to get temporary jobs at government vaccination centres says the response has been very positive so far. The government-funded $150 million initiative will create up to 2,000 temporary customer service or administrative jobs from May to September. Online applications opened yesterday. And the European Medicines Agency has said unusual blood clots should be listed as a very rare possible side effect of the AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine, but that the benefits outweigh the risks. The head of the EMA, Ema Cook, said the risk of dying from COVID-19 was still much greater than the risk from side effects. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Design. Great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults. It's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decipher of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning and welcome to Thursday here on The Morning Brew. Back again for more with me, Phil Whelan. So here's what's going down after 11 today. I'm going to welcome back our vet, Dr David Gething, for his weekly house call. Now today we're going to talk about the birds and the bees and what to do if you suddenly discover you are soon to have a furry family. Of course he's going to answer any questions you may have as well, whatever they may be. And after 12, some live music for you all the way from Canberra in Australia with country star. And he is now with his song This Is Paradise shooting to the top of various country charts all over the world. Of course, it's Wallace Mayer. Join Wallace on Facebook Live if you can. 